So welcome back to part two of this week's uh, Come and See Inspirations podcast. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you rejoining us for this part of the podcast. As always, John is keeping the ship afloat uh, in the background, John Keely. And we're delighted to welcome to the program this morning, Martin Brown from Binstall Abbey. Good morning, Martin. How are things? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, John. Nice to be with you again. And how is life in the cocoon of Glenstall these days? Well, uh, I've never seen it as a cocoon because um, it, 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 it's, it's never kind of quiet and, uh, and kind of we don't start to float around on a, on a cloud of incense all the time, uh, <laughs> wondering which angel we bump into next. It, it, life tends to be busy, but at least, it, it, at least it's regular, which is the, one of the great benefits and, uh, of the structure of monastic life. When you're, slightly, when you're a slightly chaotic person like me, uh, a structured life uh, uh, is very helpful indeed. Indeed, very good. Well, Martin, we're delighted to have you back on the podcast this week because we are tapping into your vast experience and knowledge in the area of ecumenism. Now, the reason I'm landing you... I'm not, not sure I'd use the word vast for either my experience or my knowledge, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, I'm, happy, I'm happy to be here nonetheless. Very good. Right. Now, the reason, of course, we have you on specifically this week is, of course, we are in the middle of the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity, which runs from the 18th to the 25th of January. Now, I only discovered during the week there is a specific reason that it runs between those two dates. Uh, the 25th of January, as people will probably remember, is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. Yes, as opposed to anything else. The one. Yes, but I had forgotten in the old calendar, the 18th of January used to be the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. Now, we don't celebrate it in the Catholic Church anymore, but I understand our friends in the Anglican tradition still celebrate it as the Confession of St. Peter. Uh, so there were two bookends in terms of ecumenism, Confession of Peter and the Writings of Paul. Now, that may no longer apply as such, but I thought it was a nice way to kind of uh, introduce the week. Well, well, that was the basis on which the, this particular week was chosen, certainly. Um, mm -hmm. The whole saga around when the chair of St. Peter is celebrated um, is complicated. Uh, of course, he was not only Bishop of Rome, he was Bishop of Antioch. So uh, at one point, he had two, he had two feasts uh, of his chair, uh, one for Rome, one for Antioch. Um, so we, we now celebrate uh, in February. Uh, but, but yes, the... the uh, there was a feast on the 18th of January, and so uh, the, these two great apostles and uh, fathers of uh, the faith, uh, the, 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 the octave between their two feasts uh, was, was initially started, uh, initially started as, as the chair of unity octave. Uh, it was very much uh, about, about praying uh, that those who had separated from Rome would uh, come home and rejoin. Uh, so the focus has changed over the years. Um, outside of the Roman Catholic Church and uh, the, the Faith and Order movement, which led to what became known as the World, World Council of Churches, uh, also began observing the, the octave of prayer. Um, interestingly, uh, a, a very important figure in the history of the movement uh, was a French priest called uh, the Abbe Paul Couturier, and he said. Uh, that the walls of separation do not rise to heaven. Uh, and he began uh, the idea of praying for more inclusively, to put it that way, during, during the week of prayer. Uh, so uh, he started advocating for the universal week of prayer for Christian unity uh, in, according to praying for what Christ wills uh, according to the means he wills. So kind of not prescribing too much to the Lord what, uh, how he'll bring this about, but trusting that he will. Uh, and he, uh, th th so that was, 
that was 1935. But in fact, the week of prayer had been observed in some in some format since 1908. So it's been we've been at it a long time, and it we've took been until, we've been until the 1960s before we did it together. Right. Okay. Very good. I was just thinking. I suppose it, the focus. I suppose in, in some respects, the focus from a Catholic from the, the Catholic Church's point of view has shifted over the decades. Uh, you know, previously, I suppose before the Council, Second Vatican Council. It was a case of come home to Rome, uh, whereas now it's a bit more nuanced in terms of recognizing, well, there's pros and cons to each side of the discussion. Uh, quite. quite. Um, actually, just before uh, this conversation, uh, I was attending the, uh, well, online attending, uh, the launch of a book about the history of uh, the desire for Christian unity. Uh, and there's actually, a, in one of the early chapters where they, the, the editors speak about Rome's conversion to the idea uh, of Christian unity. Uh, so Protestant churches had, had begun engaging ecumenically um, earlier. Um, there's sort of a, a tradition of associating it with a missionary congress in 1910, but you, could, you can pick any number of times for, for the beginning of the movement, but 1910 often is uh, seen as that, uh, which was a, a big uh, international missionary evangelistic conference in Edinburgh. Uh, and the thought was that so, so Protestants were exploring unity because, because they thought uh, correctly uh, that their witness, their capacity to uh, to be missionaries, to, to preach the gospel was best done together, was, more, was most credible together. Uh, Rome was not interested. Uh, there was a papal encyclical in the 20s. Uh, I forget the name, which Pope wrote it, but I remember the name of the do document, Mortalia Manus, which basically for, forbade Catholics to even uh, take part uh, in, in ecumenical uh, activities. So it really was quite a conversion, um, solidified during the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, uh, but led up to by, by various other people along the way. And the Vatican Council's document on Christian unity says very specifically, uh, recognizes uh, the elements uh, of the church that are to be the elements of the true church that are to be found in other churches. So that very binary uh, outside Rome, there is no salvation um, doctrine was, was uh, well, basically abandoned. Uh, and the whole concept uh, enshrined in many of the documents of Vatican II of the church as a, as a communion, as a, as a pilgrim people, um, and various people relating to that uh, pilgrim people in different ways. Uh, came to the fore. And so uh, Rome's attitude and the Catholic Church's attitude to Christian unity uh, very much uh, changed uh, at, that, at that point. And, and it, it was a I development, but it was certainly a change. It was, it was quite yeah. a change. I suppose, Martin, for many people, I suppose, to be fair, the week of prayer for Christian unity might slightly go over our heads. We might hear about yeah. it being prayed for at masses and prayers of the faithful. Um, it's not something which is hugely active, I would say, in a lot of Irish parishes. And I think a lot of people kind of would be listening today and be kind of going, well, kind of, are we not all doing the same thing? Like, you know, what's the difference between us all? You know, yeah, why are there, there differences? There, there's a number of things there, that, and, and I, I think that they're all true. Um, I don't think it keeps many people awake at night um, worrying about Christian unity and uh, or getting excited about the week of prayer for Christian unity it keeps some people uh, excited, people like me. Um, it doesn't keep uh, the majority of uh, Christians of, of any denomination, uh, I think, very preoccupied. But that's the reason why we have such a week. 
any kind of uh, observance that we, that we that we have during the year and various days of prayer for this and days uh, like Mission Sunday or Temperance Sunday or Prisoner Sunday, uh, any of those sort of outside the liturgical calendar, any of those sort of special days um, or special periods like, like the week of prayer are there because they are important, but we can forget about them. Uh, and so I think uh, that's one of the reasons that we do have a week of prayer because uh, it mightn't be everybody's passionate obsession, but it is kind of important. Um, and the, the fact, as you say, that um, people could be saying, sure, sure, aren't we all the same anyway? Uh, well, I suppose there's two things there. One, um, it can seem like that, uh, and that can be both good and bad. It's good that uh, our actual unity and the convergence that has taken place over the over the decades uh, is recognisable. Um, but there are differences, uh, and it's important to, to note those two. But also, it's important, and that's what makes going back to the uh, 1910 uh, Protestant uh, Missionary Com Conference in in Edinburgh. Um, if we are to have any credibility uh, in a society that largely finds uh, churches in general quite irrelevant a lot of the time now, um, then not being able to agree uh, on on things, not being able to do things together, uh, looking like we're looking like we're squabbling over silly things, um, makes the gospel generally less credible to a lot of people, and so there is. Uh, a missionary uh, kind of uh, evangelistic impulse and uh, imperative, I would say, and a necessity uh, to, to take the idea of unity seriously. Mm. Now, in terms of this year, um, the, the these weeks they sometimes have a particular the particular theme that's given to them, and there are resources, which is generally prayers and reflections, which are prepared by different communities each year. Oh, I, from memory, you were involved once or twice in preparing the resources. But um, well, 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 I'm kind of involved every year for the last number of years um, in, in, in one level. Um, the, the, without getting into too complicated a saga about how it works. Um, so I, I said it was the 1960s before Catholics and Protestants began organizing this together. So uh, since then, uh, the materials that are circulated around the world uh, each year for the week of prayer are published jointly by Rome and by the World Council of Churches uh, in Geneva. Um, and a year or two in advance, they ask a particular group to draft the materials. Uh, it's, it's done a year or two in advance because one, it takes time to produce them, and then it takes time to translate them into all the different languages and get them circulated around the world. So uh, it sort of happens 18 months in advance. Um, and so they invite a different group around the world. Uh, it may be a council of churches in some in some territory, some country or some group of countries. Uh, last year, actually, it was a religious community. It was the uh, Protestant nuns of Grandchamp in Switzerland. Um, for this year, it was the Middle East Council of Churches. Um, and then they, they draft the materials and then an international team appointed by Rome and Geneva goes and visits them and uh, works with them to try and finalize the materials uh, maybe to make them a bit more suitable for worldwide consumption, because uh, sometimes they can be very focused on the, on the local area and, and things need to be done uh, to, to just help them speak more clearly uh, in a worldwide context. Uh, and I'm part of that group. Um, but unfortunately, we, di we didn't get to go to Lebanon. 
the group was based in Lebanon, uh, but uh, we didn't get to go to Lebanon because COVID uh, messed everything up. So I'm, I'm sure um, you can say a lot more about the situation in Lebanon than I could ever begin to say. Um, I was just but, going to say COVID. COVID would have been the least of your problems. Yes, Lebanon. and it was it was also uh, uh, only a month or so after the disastrous explosion uh, in in the in the port in in, in Beirut. So it was a pretty dreadful time. And of course, there was a lot of that in the text they were producing, but of course, because it was because it was recent, but of course, it's now 18 months later. So uh, those kind of things can't be can't be as prominent. So it, our international group, which was uh, four or five uh, Roman Catholics and then four or five uh, Protestants and Orthodox, we met online for a week uh, with a group from the Middle East Council of Churches. And I was just looking at the names earlier on today to say, where were they all from and what, what denominations were they? So we had a Greek Orthodox uh, priest from Lebanon. Uh, we had uh, an evangelical minister from Lebanon. We had a Syriac Orthodox uh, minister, uh, priest from Syria. Uh, we had an evangelical pastor from Egypt. Uh, we had a Maronite Catholic nun from Lebanon and uh, a Melkite Catholic priest from Lebanon. So they, they, they led the team that put the, put the stuff together. And then our, our group uh, spent a week, a week talking to them about it and honing it. And then it gets sent out around the world. And then churches together in Britain and Ireland do, do further edits for the Irish context. And so the sort of materials that are available to the churches in Ireland have been further tweaked in Ireland. So there's a lot of people involved and by the time it gets uh, by the time it gets down to the parish level, there's a lot of people yes. involved in, in, in yeah. preparing those. Although, players. being a bit of a nerd, I sat down um, this week with the text that was finalised uh, after our meetings with the, last year and compared it uh, with what came from churches together in Britain and Ireland. And actually, uh, they, they left it mostly intact. And in fact, most of the things they changed, I would consider improvements. So um, it was a good process. <laughs> <laughs> it sometimes works. It sometimes works. Now, in case people, we'll we'll get onto the theme in a second, but just one clarification: in case people are listening and kind of going, "He's after naming out an awful lot of different names: Syriac, Catholic, Melkite, Maronite." Um, I suppose we should just clarify: these are different. How would you describe it, Martin? They're different cousins of the family. That yeah, they, um, we're all we're all Christian. Some of those are in communion with the Holy Father in Rome. Uh, but the way that they celebrate their liturgies comes from a particular cultural context and dynamic. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's one of the things about Christian unity is understanding who, who other Christians are. Uh, and Catholics, because, Catholics come in all kinds of varieties. Uh, and Roman Catholics, because most Catholics are Roman Catholics who pray in the Roman rite or the Latin rite, uh, we are very apt to forget that there are about 20 other churches that are fully in communion with Rome that are not Latin Rite, Roman Rite Catholics. For, like the ones I just mentioned there, the, the uh, Melkite Catholics, uh, they, they pray in a very similar way to the Greek Orthodox, but they are fully in communion with Rome. Uh, Maronite Catholics are very old church based, based in Lebanon, uh, and again, have their own distinctive liturgy. Um, some of the other people I mentioned there were, uh, were Orthodox, there was a Greek Orthodox, then there was a Syriac Orthodox. The Syriac Orthodox are a, are a very old church. Uh, they, they, they became separated from the most of the, most of the 
rest of the church. They're not the same as the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox. Uh, they have some. They had. They had uh, some different understandings uh, around the divinity of Christ uh, and the natures of the Trinity and such things way back. Uh, in, the, in the early centuries of the church and division happened then. So Christians have been dividing since, since the very start. Uh, Christians have been dividing if you, re- if you read the New Testament, or if, if you read uh, Paul uh, giving out to the, to the Corinthians or Paul giving out to the Galatians or the Acts of the Apostles when Paul is arguing with Peter, Christians have been, have been falling out and arguing over things for a very long time. Um, and that doesn't mean, uh, which could make one say, well, sure, what's the point in trying to, to unite? Um, that unity is there because it is given to us by Christ. So, uh, so the week of prayer of Christianity is about trying to discover that, mm. uh, trying to discover that unity. Uh, and there is a very strong view, which I certainly subscribe to, that we find a lot of that in, in prayer. Like there's an awful lot of stuff done by theologians and experts and exchanging scholarly articles and position papers and so on. Uh, but sort of where the rubber hits the road is when we sit down or kneel down or stand up, or whatever we do to pray together. Um, and so that, that's why the main attempt at promoting Christianity in the world uh, isn't a series of seminars, it's a week of prayer. Mm. Now, this year, the week of prayer has a particular, as it does every year, it has a particular theme. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's very Christian connected or Christmas connected. Yes. Even. So uh, we saw the star in the east and we come to worship him. It's the yes. statement of the Magi from Matthew's yeah. gospel. Yeah, so the so the, the churches in the Middle East uh, chose this as their theme. Um, and yes, it has a, it has a certain, obviously, uh, resonance at this, this time of year. Uh, where it gets a bit complicated, in some parts of the world, particularly in the southern hemisphere, um, they celebrate the week of prayer not in January, but in the week before Pentecost. Um, week between ascension and pentecost um so the story the magi might still might, might not uh, sit as as naturally for some people then but it but it it doesn't matter it's actually quite useful to hear the story of the magi outside the context of christmas uh, and to hear it in a different way um and there is something about it that speaks i think very much to the uh, journey towards christian unity because uh, yes because it speaks of a journey uh, it, it speaks of uh, being led by the light, but not knowing exactly where one is going to land. land. And I think that's very much part of, of the ecumenical uh, adventure too. Uh, it, it's a journey in faith, but it's a journey in the dark too. Um, and it's about being led to Christ. Um, and the closer that we come to Christ, the closer we come to one another is a, uh, it's almost cliche, but it's the truth. Um, and so people from the whole theme of the Magi and the Epiphany, of course, is that it's all nations. So people from all nations uh, on a journey guided by the light towards the light so that they can worship. Uh, there are all kinds of other things that speak to the Christian condition nowadays too. The, uh, the experience of dealing with uh, crooked or uh, cruel rulers uh, the suffering that we hear about in the story of the slaughter of the innocents, um, the experience of being changed and going back by a different route. Um, so all of those things, I think, do actually speak very uh, well and very clearly uh, to the quest for Christian unity. So um, I remember when we, when, we, when we got the first draft materials and I saw, good grief, 
we're going to be celebrating Christmas again, thinking this is a bit odd. But actually, the more the, the more you think about it, uh, it actually is uh, very appropriate. Um, and of course, it it, it speaks very closely to to the to the situation out of which uh, the Christians in the Middle East are coming, uh, where there's that. Uh, fragility uh, to their existence, to their continuation. Uh, they're uh, becoming much more of a minority group. Many of them are forced to travel, uh, uh, to leave, uh, to go into exile like the Holy Family did into Egypt. So th there are a lot of resonances. Very good. Now, Martin, I suppose one of the questions would be for, you know, the ordinary Joe Soap in the street, kind of listen to us talking this morning, asking the question, but what does it have to do with me? At this minute in time. Hmm. It has to do with me if I am a baptized Christian. Uh, I am, whether I know it or want it or not, I am in a deep relationship with every other baptized Christian. Uh, or, any, or every other follower of Jesus. Uh, so it affects me to a certain extent. Known or unknown. Um, as I say, sometimes things like these kind of weeks of prayer of observances like this are about raising awareness. And somebody asking that question, well, what the dickens has this got to do with me, is actually a very good question. Because if you ask the question, then you may actually think about the answer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, it is important. Uh, because the way Christians are set up in the world now, the way we exist uh, alongside one another uh, is not what God intended. It's not what Jesus prayed for uh, on the night before he died when he prayed to the Father that they would all be one. Um, so there is there's something imperfect about the way churches are now. And there's something that hides or somehow veils or masks uh, the vision of what the Lord wants for us, it, it masks what the kingdom of God should look like. Um, so we're, we are on a journey towards the completion of all things by the, by the Lord in the Lord's own time, uh, at, the, at the end of time. Uh, and the, and the, the more that Christians can uh, recognize their, one, their oneness, their unity, then the more they look like what the fully reconciled creation at the end of time will look like. Mm. It's a, and that's a, that's a big thought uh, and probably one that not, people don't have very often, but, it's, uh, but I think it's an important one. I think it's significant. Yeah. I suppose from an Irish point of view, our experience of ecumenism is very much talking to our reformed neighbours in the different reformed churches, Protestant churches, does it, is it a different kind of a dynamic when we're talking to, you know, in a wider context for the week of prayer of Christianity, when we're talking and praying with Christians of the Orthodox faith or, uh, you know, other denominations like the Anabaptists or things yeah. like that? Very much so. Um, I think for a long time in Ireland, um, well, in many parts of the country, there are very there were very few Christians of other denominations of any of any other denomination. Uh, in most parts of the Republic, uh, in towns there would be a, maybe a Church of Ireland church. Uh, 
there may be a Methodist or a Presbyterian church, but probably only in very big towns. Uh, so the the opportunities for uh, encountering, certainly in terms of encountering, in terms of praying together uh, with Christians of other denominations, were, were limited. Um, but certainly the last 20 years, the the makeup of our country has changed considerably. Um, there are people from every country, uh, every tradition, every faith and no faith. Um, and that brings great diversity and uh, excitement and colour, but it also brings great challenge. Um, because there can be a sort of a certain polite niceness about, uh, about sort of a certain kind of ecumenism where we sing carols together at Christmas and we have a service together in January and maybe we do an outdoor something or other, some kind of walk of witness or way of the cross or something at Easter. And it's all very nice and safe. Uh, whereas when you have a whole variety of uh, different uh, Christian traditions in a place, uh, it becomes just a bit, little bit more complicated. And one does have to work at it uh, to be able to do things together. Um, and certainly I find it fascinating when, when we do have these meetings to, to go and finalize the materials. Um, like any group, you can get into a certain kind of group think, uh, and then somebody who is uh, maybe from a different tradition to everybody else will kind of go, but you can't possibly do that, or you can't possibly say that, or if, if, you, if, you, don't, if you don't change the words, the words of that prayer, no Orthodox is going to be able to say it. Uh, and th that's, that's all very lovely, but... Um, a certain kind of Pentecostal evangelicalism or like that and, and, and isn't going to be able to do that. Um, so you actually discover that division is real. Uh, it's not just about sort of we have different customs and traditions. We also have, there are, there are questions that are important to people in which we differ. Uh, and certainly as, as our country becomes more diverse, uh, even though number is going to uh, church is declining. Uh, the variety of different uh, expressions of Christianity that's present in the country is increasing, uh, which brings its own challenge in terms of uh, Christian unity and what I was saying earlier about the coherence of Christianity uh, when, when it's so divided. Uh, and that's where the whole question of what's, what's division and what's diversity, uh, what's unity and what's uniformity. Um, and they're all, they're questions you could spend many, many hours uh, teasing out. Um, mm. But yes, it does get more complicated and more challenging uh, when, when you have greater varieties of religious tradition present. So the, the prayers that you were referring to, Martin, they are available in numerous uh, places. Uh, yeah. the, the Irish Conference of Bishops has a, a page for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity on their website. So that's uh, catholicbishops.ie. You can also, some of the various dioceses around the country also have links up, including the Archdiocese of Dublin, including our own Diocese of Limerick. Obviously, you can get them on the Pontifical Council for, Prayer, for Christian Unity or the Churches, together, Churches together in Britain and Ireland. ctpi.org.uk. Say that again now, Martin. C B said well C T B I churches together in Britain and Ireland C T B I dot org dot uk um, but certainly uh, what what's on the Irish bishops uh, website uh, is what's on the C T B I website so it's available anywhere. Yeah. Just on an ecumenical note, 
we should extend our congratulations to the uh, Church of Ireland community in Limerick and across the Western Seaboard. They have yes. a new bishop. Yes, uh, they have a new bishop and a new diocese. Um, so Limerick in Killaloo was the uh, was the diocese of which uh, over which Bishop Kenneth Kieran presided, and then. Uh, Bishop Patrick Rook was Bishop of Tuam, Killala and O'Connery. And uh, it was decided some time ago that whenever either of them retired, the dioceses would be united. And so they very cleverly, a few months ago, decided they would retire at the same time so that the uh, new bishop uh, would be, uh, so the new diocese would have a new bishop. And so that election took place uh, because Church of Ireland uh, elects its bishops. Uh, took place at Christchurch Cathedral in Dublin last Friday, and the new bishop is uh, most uh, Right Reverend Dr. Michael Burrows. Uh, he's already a bishop. He is the uh, bishop of Cashel and Ossery. Um, in fact, by the time he's finished, he's going to have an, he, he will have been bishop of an awful lot of uh, places because Limerick and Killaloo and Tuamcallan and O'Connery actually, if you were to list out all of them. That's that. Uh, it's actually Limerick, Ardfert, Ahado, Killaloo, Kilmacdua, Clonfert, Emily, Tuam, Killala, and O'Connery. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and before that, he was Bishop of Cashel, Ossery, Waterford, Lismore, and Ferns. Um, so, but, but yes, he, he, his diocese, his new diocese runs from uh, the Dingle Peninsula almost yeah. far as Sligo, uh, the whole western seaboard, uh, right into the middle of the country. Killaloo Diocese stretches up up into Offaly and to Bor and those kind of places, Bor Rossway, and, and so it's a big diocese. Um, he's got to he's got to clock up the manager, but we get we extend to him our congratulations. Indeed, indeed, uh, it's, on, it's a very ex, it's a it's a very um, exciting, but I say slightly nervous time for the Church of Ireland in this in this part of the the world because it's a it's an indication of the fragility of the church that and the and numerically that. That the decision was taken to unite uh, these two groups of dioceses into this rather large territory and uh, so it's a huge territory but not, not, not a huge population and that brings its own challenges um, and then two groups becoming one will always have teething problems too so i think so but he's an experienced bishop and uh, i presume this is one of the reasons that he was chosen uh, that he had the experience to be able to um, get the ground running and help uh, these two uh, groups of parishes become one united diocese. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time for him. So indeed for him. So Martin, to finish up uh, our just and, and thank you for for just sharing what your thoughts with us on the the week of prayer for Christian unity and the complexities of it. Uh, I was wondering uh, we'll we'll go out a piece of music, but before we do that, I was wondering if you have to hand the uh, the prayer. Uh, for this year's um, uh, the week of the, inspired by the team for 2022. I, I do indeed. If you might give it to us. Just as, as Martin will give us that prayer, which is taken from the resources for this year for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And John, the piece of music that we're finishing up with is... Martin chose a, a beautiful piece of music, actually. It's a Taze piece. It's entitled, There is One Lord, One Faith, and One Baptism. Very good. So, and that's uh, obviously a, a key text for the ecumenical movement. It comes from chapter four, the letter to the Ephesians. Um, but just to, to conclude, then a, a prayer from the uh, service prepared by the uh, churches in the Middle East. 
A star led the Magi to Christ. Today, this star points to the presence of Christ, who has been revealed to us and whose light shines on us. As the Magi followed the star to Bethlehem, we gather under this star today, adding our own stars to the sky, uniting our own gifts and prayers for the visible unity of the church. As we journey towards that goal, may our lives give a luminous witness that leads others to know Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Um, thank you, Mar Martin. Thank you so much for being with us this week. And uh, we'll, thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Please, God. Come to unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son.